Mindfulness Mode 234. It is your GPS. It can guide you through eternity. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Lankford. Thanks again, everybody, for joining me here. Great to have you with us, Mindful Tribe. Last time, I talked with a man who created a form of martial arts combining yoga with Aikido. We talked about this along with his views on meditation and mindfulness and finance. That's Damien Lupo at mindfulnessmode.com slash 233. If you haven't heard it, you'll want to go back and check that out. Want to hear Lewis Howes live? Danielle Laporte? Simon Sinek? All live? The Shark Tank's Damon John? They're going to be in Toronto on September 7th, along with other world-class speakers at the Archangel Summit. I'll be there. I'm an affiliate for the event. I've mentioned it before. It's really great entertainment, which you wouldn't maybe necessarily expect. They have musicians and these speakers all flowing seamlessly in the day's events. The proceeds from the event goes to charity to provide micro loans and donations for entrepreneurs to make the world a better place. And I truly believe in that. Get your tickets right now. I have a feeling it'll probably sell out. You can get your tickets at archangelsummit.com. That's A R C H. A-N-G-E-L summit.com. Oh, use the special discount code mindfulness mode for 40% off. Just type in mindfulness mode as the special discount code. That will be an awesome event. Today, I spoke with a man who has had remarkable ups and downs. He went through a phase early in his life when he got mixed up with the wrong crowd. He began robbing banks and trafficking drugs and ended up in the penitentiary. Now, years later, he's a successful author, a meditator, and a truly insightful mindfulness enthusiast. He calls himself the Navigator. Relax and soak up the wisdom from my awesome guest today. Okay, Mindful Tribe, I am really excited today. I have Antar the Navigator with with me today, and I'm just going to share a little bit about Antar before we start. But Antar, are you in mindfulness mode today? Yes, I am. (laughs) That's great. Definitely. Antar the Navigator is a screenwriter, an author, and a coach. He's passionate about using his own rocky story to inspire and motivate others to make the best of their lives. In his late teens, he was robbing banks, drug trafficking. All of these things became his life, resulting in a six-year prison sentence. While in jail, he experienced an epiphany which changed Antar into a person intensely focused on helping others. As I mentioned, he's also an author, and in his books, Antar teaches you how to reach your true consciousness and how meditation and prayer is a solid way to help you move forward. So, Anton, I'm really excited to talk about all this, but let's let's go back. What was your childhood like when you were growing up, and what led you to that life of crime? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't my home life. My home life was great. Uh, my mother, but my mother and father, they divorced when I was three years old. And my father was in San Francisco. My mother was in Menlo Park, California. 
So I was back and forth in between the, you know, the split home situation. But, but my mother, my stepfather, you know, great provider, good, you know, good, good home. I mean, it was great home life. The environment that I, that the city that I lived in uh, was going through a lot of changes at the time. It was the 60s. So Vietnam War, assassinations of the president, uh, Martin Luther King, uh, this turmoil, it was turmoil, a lot of riots. Uh, I was in, I was kind of caught up in that. Uh, it was, I was, I was traumatized. I'll put it that way. Right. Anybody that grew up in the sixties was traumatized because everything happened in one decade, all yeah. the assassinations, everything in one decade. So I got involved in the drug culture, started using drugs, alcohol, and, um, because you had to have anesthesia, you know, to, mm-hmm. to numb you, uh, from this experiment. So, um, and I got involved in, a, in the wrong group of people. It was the wrong group of people that I got involved in. And uh, I saw an opportunity to be very uh, successful in, in crime. And there was a very famous uh, uh, leader, crime leader in that area that I kind of joined his family. I was real good friends with his children. Okay. And uh, they all stayed in the same apartment building and there was a lot of drugs being sold there. You know, he owned, owned the whole thing. He owned a couple of apartment buildings in the area. And, uh, and you know, I was selling drugs and, and I was doing all, you know, I was doing everything that could be done. I mean, I really was uh, ambitious thinking that I could make a career out of being a criminal. And, uh, you know, because it was on TV, it was everywhere, you know, the untouchables. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we were looking at Elliot Ness and we we're looking at all these, it's crime, 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 crime. That was, a, that was, that was the sale. That was the pitch that they used to kind of keep you captivated by the television, you know. Sure. They, they all glorify the criminals and so I, I wanted to be a glorified criminal and that uh, I ended up um, getting arrested when I was 20 years old for bank robbery and went to Lumpot federal prison federal uh, uh, penitentiary and um, that uh, we got there I was still involved in crime in prison I was nothing changed at all nothing changed and um, I had a counselor who um, who, who uh, angel he was my angel obviously i don't know him i can't pick him out in the crowd i don't know his face or his name but he gave he called me to his office he gave me as a man thinking by james allen great book yeah and then he gave me uh, thinking go rich next by devolian hill devolian hill and i read that one and i kept reading these books over and over and over and over again that pretty much saturated my mind with this language and uh and i realized that my peers didn't know anything about this information. It was, it, I mean, nothing. They, it was zero. So I, I was starting to get curious that, you know, if, if, if you get this information and apply this information to your life, then your life changes. And so I was, I could see why a lot of people's lives were not changing and people were not going anywhere. They had the wrong information. Sure. And uh, so I, I, I made the transformation right there in prison. Just as a result of that counselor and those two books and just filling your brain with that content. That's the saturation, yeah. saturation I mean, over and over. And uh, I mean, almost to the point of memorization. And uh, and I changed. I transformed. I, 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 I call it I rehabilitated myself all the way down to a cellular level of my genes. I mean, everything had changed. So what's the first uh, thing you did when you got out of prison then with that new change? I went straight to book to a, to a metaphysical bookstore. <laughs> okay. 
and uh, and started buying a lot of books that had been uh, referred to me and people had told me about. And uh, and it was it was really it was really uh, interesting because I um, I wrote a poem when I was in prison when I was going through this change and I titled the poem I am you I was writing it to somebody else and I was kind of scolding them and I was saying I am you you know kind of being arrogant I looked at the poem the next day and it wasn't I said I'm not this is not being written to somebody else this is my higher consciousness talking to me I am you and uh it was it was it was a, a, a awakening it was an awakening when I got out of prison I went to the first book I got at the metaphysical bookstore was uh, The Impersonal Life. And um, it was anonymous, no author. And about page 10, it said to me, I am you. And I almost dropped a book like, whoa. Wow. I realized that the voice the author was using to write the book, even though it sounded really otherworldly, it sounded like God talking, and I knew it was his voice. But I, I realized that that was the same voice that I use now to write and to sometimes speak. And I realized that this is in everybody. It's in everybody, but, but people cannot tap into it for whatever re uh, reason. Uh, sometimes it's alcohol, sometimes it's drugs, it's, sometimes it's just crazy ideas or television right. or whatever. And, they, and, and they're so far away from it that they can't, they can barely hear it. But when you, when you, get, when you get to the point where you have solitude and you have uh, mindfulness, you start to hear it. You start to hear the voice. Right. So then conversations with God, uh, the course of miracles. I started to realize all these inspired books were being written by that higher consciousness mixed with the imagination. And so and, when did uh, you decide to write yourself? Well, I decided in prison. That I oh, was back then. Okay. I, I was going to write a book like Thinking Grow Rich. That was in 1972. Um, but it was 19, it was 2005 before I actually put pen to paper and, and, and started writing the book. I wrote a couple of books before that, but not this type of book, like the, my book, The Secret of the Infinite Intelligence, um, uh, second edition. Uh, that book um, is a whole new, I mean, it's, it's self-help, it's metaphysics, it's what I wanted to write. Right. And so I, I wrote that in 2005, it was finished about 2008. Right. So tell us more about that book. Can you tell us what is the secret? Or we secret. need to read the whole book to find out, probably. Well, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's very easy. It's very easy. Uh, you need to read the whole book to get some, get the formulas, to get formulas and get uh, strategy uh, that you can use in your, in your life uh, to continue to accelerate or continue to elevate yourself. But uh, the secret of the infinite intelligence, Napoleon Hill, uh, I think Mr. Gimby in the 1800s called it infinite intelligence, and Napoleon Hill came out in the, in the early 1900s saying infinite intelligence. Some people call it the divine mind, Christ consciousness, universal consciousness, whatever. We call it, in my book, we call it the cosmic synthetic conscience. Right. Because of its function. And so the, 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 the secret is it's not infinite. It's human. It's not infinite. That's the secret, that it's not infinite. It's, it's human. It's finite. It's human. It's, a, it's, a, it's technology that the creator, the infinite creator, put in us because he made us complete. He didn't make us haphazard. He made us complete. Right. So right. we have a conscience. We got an imagination. We got all of that. But we also have 
this higher conscience that is already in us, ready to go to work, ready to ready to be activated, and it sounds as being that is programmed by God. It sounds like God, okay, and and it it is your GPS. It can guide you through eternity, and and it, it seems to be infinite because it's so powerful, it's so authoritative, but it, it's really human, and it's designed for us because if it was infinite we would have a lot more answers than we have today. So why do you think so many people feel lost when those answers are really right there? Well, like I said, they don't, they don't tap into it. It's trust. It's trust. It's like uh, uh, not, not the cosmic and synthetic conscience or higher consciousness. It's talking to you, but then you also have a conscience. And we don't even listen to that. Or sometimes we think we do, and then we get tricked. Isn't that true? Well, yeah, yeah, you know, the, you see the cartoon, it has the devil on this shoulder and the angel on this shoulder. Yes. And the devil is telling you to do this, and the angel is telling you don't do that. Okay, yes. the conscience is telling you, don't do that. You know, you're going to get in trouble. You, you, don't, you really don't want to do it. This is not in your best interest. And then you listen to this other voice inside of you, and because you, you want to have fun, and you want to have pleasure, and you, you want to do it. And then you do it, and then when you end up in trouble, or you lose all your money, or, or something like that, then you, you, you say, I should have listened to my first mind. I should have listened to my conscience. Because the conscience is there telling you. I mean, you'll be at right 100% of the time if you listen to it. And then, but it, it, t- it might take four or five catastrophes for you to say, oh, I'm going to listen. I'm not going to. Now you start to be, pay attention. Okay. Now, the, if, you get, if you get in contact with the right literature and the right people, then you can elevate to a higher consciousness. And then when you listen to that, that's when innovation comes in, that's when inventions happen, that's when uh, breakthroughs come, come about. Right. You know, and, and, and it's, it's profound. It's like beyond your understanding, your lower, your lower consciousness, beyond that understanding. And so a lot of people attribute it to God. Well, you can give God the credit because God created it, but it's you. Okay. It's you. It's you. It's, it's the complete you, the real you. So now that you've made all these revelations, what does mindfulness mean to you, Antar? Paying attention, kind of like in the army, and they say, attention, and you stand up, you're ready to take, receive the order. You know, so everything else is blocked out, you're not thinking about anything else, you're ready to receive the order. Right. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm right on it, I'm focused, I'm paying attention, I'm concentrating. And, and uh, there's a... Um, uh, this, can I can I show you something? Of course, yes, you can. This is um, this is in my book, but I, I decided to quote uh, Kung Fu Panda. Okay, you know yes. Well, Kung Fu Panda. Okay, Kung Fu Panda, and this is just just a, a, a just a paragraph. He says, "In the final battle with the dragon warrior, when the dragon warrior defeats Chan, his mortal enemy, Chan asks him, how did you do it? How did you find peace?'" It, I took away your parents, everything. I scarred you for life. The dragon warrior replied, you've got to let go of that stuff from the past. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what you choose to be now. What you choose to be now. And what we can you, all choose. doesn't matter about your past. doesn't matter about anything. What do you choose to be now? And that is mindfulness, what you choose to be now. Right. Yeah, I love that passage. Thanks for sharing that with us. 
Yeah, that's profound. From a cartoon. From a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. exactly. A lot of wisdom in those in those cartoons. And so who are some of the other people that have mentored you that you have learned from? I mean, you've probably read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books, but who stands out? Uh, of all the books that I've read? Of all well, the people, whether they be authors or whether they be just people that have inspired you and helped you in your life to move forward. Well, I think the person that helped me more probably I guess probably more than anyone um, I became um, like a, a this person's personal aide personal assistant international figure he, he associates with the Pope and the Dalai Lama and all these people his name is Wallace D. Muhammad okay and uh, I was his personal assistant uh, for about a year and a half ah. and uh, He's traveling around the world. You know, he's meeting with world leaders. He's, you know, he is a world. He was a world leader. He's, he's deceased now. And um, but just watching and observing, and and he was involved in a lot of interfaith dialogue, and you know, and with the, the, all the different religious groups and everything. And um, I learned so much from watching him just day to day. It wasn't like he was sitting me down teaching me a class. The class was my observation of um, his interaction with other people and uh, decisions and things that he that he was making. And being that I was an assistant now, I, I was I was there at, 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 in private meetings and things like that. I, I got an opportunity as a young person to, to, to learn how I should conduct myself, you know, around people who were uh, different than me. Like I said, he was he was like a master of. Interface dialogue. So he's right. meeting with rab, rab, rabbis, and he's, he was an imam, but he's meeting with rabbis, and he's meeting with, with cardinals, and he's meeting with all of these people of other different faiths, and 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 and, and it was all peace. It was all like it, I don't know what it was, but I was I was thinking all the time that people of different religions and things were arguing and debating, but then I but but with him and his the people that he was associating with. The debates. They were on the same level. They understood something that we don't understand, and uh, I think that's what I, what I what I learned. That it's no, it's really not a, a, a need. I think it's people with the lower consciousness. They debate and they argue and they fight wars. People on the higher level, higher consciousness, they know that we're all the same. Right, and we are all the same, yeah. It's that realization of understanding, deeply understanding that we truly are all the same. We're all the same. We just speak different languages. we got different cultures. We wear different clothes. Uh, we're different, but that's okay because we, uh, we gravitate toward different. You know, we like to go to the museums, and we like to look at, eat other people's foods. We like to do those things. But then when it's, when it's time to talk about politics or religion or something, then we want to go to war. Because there's more to it than the than the the religion or the politics, it's something else that's driving the war, and the, and these things are being used. But when you get these people in the same room, and they have did their research and they've done their study and they've done their meditation and their prayer, they know we're all the same. Right, right. Well. I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade, and I want to ask you a question about that. Were you ever bullied, or do you have a story about bullying? Maybe you bullied others. What's your story, Anton? Both, both. I was, um, I was bullied. Um, 
I had, like I said, I grew up with uh, the wrong crowd, you know? Right. So this is, we we're what they call, you know, people of the street, people of the night, people of the, the vampires. I mean, we're out doing things to other people and doing, but the thing is, what people don't realize is that if you are a criminal or you're a thug or whatever you want to call it, you're living with the murderers. You're living with the rapists. You're living with the crim- the gangsters. And so other people are scared of these people. We're living with them next right. door to them, right. you know? So you, you got people that are just dangerous people. And I, and there was this one guy, he, and I'm not gonna mention his name because he was totally a different person now, but he was like the ultimate bully. I mean, he would, and I, this is when I was really young and I was kind of growing up and I was getting involved in the, in the criminal life. But he, uh, I remember one day I was playing basketball at the boys club and uh, he got mad at something. I don't know what he was mad at. I did something in the, in the basketball game. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm kind of looking the other way now, you know, I'm, I, whatever is over as far as I'm concerned is whatever I did, it was over. He got the basketball and he's a, he's a pretty big guy and threw it. It hit me in the head with it. I mean, like it was like enough to knock me off my feet. And, uh, and then uh, now I wasn't going to fight him or have any conflict with him because I was scared of him mm-hmm. and he knew it. And a lot of people were scared of him. And like, and then, then now he's waiting for me to like, what do you want to do? Well, you know, well, I'm not really getting ready to do anything. And then, you know, then he started approaching me like he was going to, you know, hit me some, hit me again, you know, and, and I'm young and smaller than him and everything. I'm scared to death, sure. you know? And I think and that was one, one occasion. And there was another occasion that um, he looked like he was going to aggress upon me. All he, he didn't really have to do anything to me. All he had to do was look at me a certain way and act like he was going to aggress upon me and scare me, to, you know. And I think he was, t- he, oh, yeah, he had, uh, he had took something from me okay. at that, that particular occasion. Yeah, he had took something from me. And uh, just because he could. Right. Because he could. And he was nobody around to stop him. From doing sure. it, sure. And uh, but I, those are the two things in my, my the only two, only occasions in my mind that I can remember where I know for a fact you know I was being bullied and harassed by this by this guy. And then after I grew up, I decided that you know I, I got to a certain point where you know I'm not gonna be bullied anymore. I'm gonna be a bully. I'm gonna uh, be bullied. Okay. So you know, so there was occasions and things that I did certain things that people um, uh, reacting. The way I thought that's the way you're supposed to react is the way you're supposed to be to, to survive. And so um, that, you know, those are the things that I did and uh, not proud of it at all. You know, it's just horrible, it's horrible to, to be in that type of a state where you can oppress somebody, you know, and uh, and, and persecute somebody. It's just traumatic. It's traumatic both yeah, ways. Sure. For sure. So you started Stay in the Miracle Institute. Tell us about that. Why did you come up with that name, and what is your goal? Stay in the Miracle Institute. Um, well, going back to people that influenced me, um, Napoleon Hill, you know, was major, major influence in my life, and um, his book uh, "Outwitting the Devil" and uh, "Think You Grow Rich." I think are two books that really turned me on. And he, he had such a passion 
for helping people. Um, you know, because he was a reporter. He pretty, he pretty much wasn't like a gazillionaire trying to tell you how to make a, a gazillion dollars. He was reporting to you how other people had did it. Giving, he was giving you qualities that other people had, characteristics that other people had. And so I, I, those were the miracles. You know, it was character traits, character development. But at the same time, I also realized that miracles were the things that most people were absent of, like answers, cures, maps, plans, solutions. People didn't have those things. And they were dependent on the doctors. They were dependent on the lawyers. They were dependent on all of these other people to give them these things, and they weren't getting it. And so they get stressed out, you know, and they commit suicide sometimes. They they become homeless. They, they just drop out of life. So staying in the miracle for me was once you actually reach this consciousness where you're sure and you, and you trust it, that it can, uh, it can get you where you want to go. Stay there. That's the, that's the miracle. Stay in the miracle. Don't deviate. Like get off the channel. It's like trying to find your, uh, favorite radio station manually. You got to go turn the channel and then you get all the static, 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 static. Then you find your channel, you write on it. You got your favorite music. Well, nature has a channel and you have to be on the channel. You have to be on the frequency. It's a frequency. And when you get on that frequency, you have to stay there. You can't get off by uh, negative emotions. Negative emotions takes you off the channel. Jealousy, right. anger, uh, you know, takes you off. You got static. Okay, you're not on this channel anymore, and then nothing is happening for you anymore. You know, negative uh, words, uh, behavior, all of these things. You're off the channel. You're off the frequency. So you got to get on the frequency, and you have to stay on the frequency. And how do you stay there when you notice yourself just beginning to stray a little bit? It's practice. It's like meditation. Okay, and do you meditate? Yes. Could you tell us about that? Is it silent meditation? How long do you meditate? What's it like? Well, I've met, first, the first meditation that I learned to do was transcendental meditation. And okay. so I, um, and you know, that is with a mantra. Yes. And 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. Um, and then I came up with a meditation of my own. And uh, it's astral projection. And it's called Bequel Ohm. Oh, tell acronym. us about it. This is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Bequel Ohm, that's the, that's the mantra, Bequel Ohm. But it's also an acronym. It stands for Beyond Earth, Quantum Universal Energy, okay? Light, Laser, and Ohm. Okay. okay? That's the, the acronym, Bequel Ohm. It's astral projection. So you don't concentrate on your breath. You don't concentrate on your mantra. You're actually on an assignment while you're meditating. You're traveling while you're meditating. Fascinating. Yeah, you're traveling. And so depends on where, how far you want to travel, depends on where you want to go. But there's a, there's a root, a root in, the, in the meditation where from self, you know, and it's kind of earthly, and then it's beyond that, and then it's galactic, and then it, it takes you to out of the universe and back into the center, and then that's where you dwell. 
Okay, this is where this is the uh, the place where uh, things are created. You know, and you then and when you get to that point, you're just kind of now you're meditating. Now you're in the zone, and then when you finish, you have to come back. But but you, but but you have the you have the ability to go where you want to go. Right. Some people want want to. Some people want to go here. Some people want to go there. Some people want to be underwater. Whatever. You you can go where you want to go, and and so the, that 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 determines how long you're going to be meditating. Now, do you expand on this in one of your books? Yes, yeah, a class. It's a class. Uh, well, we we just touch on it in the book because it's kind of like the Maharishi. You know, he's teaching you transcendental meditation. Are you teaching you levitation? You have to be taught to do it. Right. You know, so I don't even try to, I might be able to describe it a little bit, but it's something that you do and, and you progress. You get better. You, be, you get better at it. The more you do it, you get, be, you get better at it. The stronger you, you, you become, the, the, the more uh, um, satisfying the meditation is. Right, like so many things. And how long did you meditate yourself before you came up with this? Because this is really, this can really help people who who meditate and maybe find that they're not meditating deeply enough. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. Because um, focusing on your breath is really great, and the mantra is really great. Transcendental meditation is very, very powerful. But I. I, I wanted more, and I and I did. I kind of happened upon it by accident, as one day I was meditating, and I decided. I decided. I, I don't know how it happened, but I decided to go somewhere mm-hmm. in my meditation, and then I, I started to expand upon it, and it got pretty pretty clear. Are, are vivid about the things that I was seeing in the meditation, the places that I was going, and uh, some places I was familiar with, so I knew where I was going and I knew what it looked like. And then later, I wanted to go places and I didn't know what it looked like, and so I, I needed to see pictures of it. And then when I went back into my meditation, I could go there and it was really vivid, and and I, it was really real for me. And then I started realizing that this is like, I mean, what is, how far can I go with this? You know, how far can I go with this? And then I kept going, expanding it upon it. And I'm, it's, it's all about visualization and imagination while you're, while you're uh, meditating. Right. So, you know, you know, you, you, your, your thoughts, when you're meditating, they, they say to you, don't try to stop your thoughts. Don't try because don't, don't do that because you're taking energy, you know, trying to do that. Let it no. just, um, Pass through, let them go. Doesn't, doesn't work. work. Yeah, it doesn't work. So, and a lot of people think that's what they're supposed to do. It's supposed to be thoughtless, you know. Right. No thoughts. And so, if that means if I if I don't have to worry about my thoughts, then maybe I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to direct my thoughts. Since I don't have to worry about stopping them, I'm going to direct them. And and I'm going to create things while I'm meditating. And so then I started doing that. Then I started realizing. Um, I was um, I was uh, working in uh, California Department of Corrections. That was, that was another part of my story. After after about twenty years, I went back into corrections as an employee. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, as a teacher of spirituality, 
and uh, I call it the religion of nature. I was teaching fatherhood. I was teaching entrepreneurship, all kinds of things to the, to the inmates. But at the last place, I, I, 20, 20 years, I, I worked in the California Department of Corrections. And in my last three years, I was at Vacaville uh, State Hospital. It was a prison hospital. And we had a hospice okay. there. And, um, and one day I was talking to, the, the, to some guys in hospice about this type of meditation. Mm-hmm. Because I know they're getting ready to go on a journey. Right. For real. <laughs> they're on their way to the other side. And they're conscious of it. I'm conscious of it. You know, we're talking. And they're, you know, they're, they're gradually uh, getting ready to pass. And so I started sharing that meditation with them. So they could just sit back and they could meditate and they could go on this journey. Astral projection. They could project. They were just going places. They were doing things. And I was telling them, you know, this might be helpful because you're getting ready to go on a journey that none of us have ever went on. You know, you and her go on a roller coaster ride it. None of us have ever went on. And so maybe this might help you. It might help you. Uh, and and, it, and it, it was helpful. It was helpful to them. Uh, and they were kind of, it, 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 so most of them was good about the hospice and death. And they were kind of, a lot, a lot of people were ready. They were ready to go, ready to go. But then this is like with this, with this meditation, it was almost like a, a warm up. Uh-huh. You know, I see. So like where are you where are you going? And then, uh, in the meditation, when I when I show, show people how to do it, they actually they actually go, you know, intergalactic goodness in this uh, journey, and it's them and they're they're flying and they're going everywhere and doing everything and and uh, they they it was it's good really good for people I, I I'll say that it's good for people who are dying. Right, I see. Well, you mentioned that you teach this. Now, do you teach it to people online? How can Mindful Tribe uh, figure out how to learn from you? How do we connect with you so that we can learn how to do this? Well, um, our, the website is www.antarthenavigator.com or www.stayinthemiracleinstitute.com. Uh, okay. And if they go there, if they go there right now, I have um, $5,100 worth of gifts they can get for free. Okay. I have a course that's worth 1997. That's free. Two free tickets to our uh, event in uh, in 2018, and uh, three f- free coaching calls. Excellent. Uh, well, that's so, very generous of you. Yeah, I mean, but 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 that's what it's about. It's really about helping people. You know, I'm not worried about the money and all that kind of stuff. It's about helping people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think I'm, you know, this is my belief. The more you help people, you don't have to worry about others, the other stuff. Right. It's just you say, focus on your purpose. What is your purpose? Okay. My purpose is to help people understand the things that I've come into con- come in contact with. That I've intuitively come in contact with, and I'm, I'm here to share it. So right. in the, in, when they, when they go to the website and they sign up in the, in the process of the coaching calls and, um, they will find out about the meditation. And then we're determining now, we're trying to determine right now, me and my group, my team, is exactly how we're going to deliver the meditation. We already have a package that we were charging $197 uh, to learn, completely learn how to do the meditation. Okay. Okay. And then after that, then it's about getting getting the people together, getting the meditators together 
Right, right. Well, as we so, uh, as we wind down, I'm there. just going to mention, yeah, I just want to mention that I'm going to put all of this into our show notes so that our listeners can go on there. Mindfulnessmode.com forward slash 234. It's been great talking with you today. Thank you for all that you're sharing. And it's so generous of you to to offer all of this on your website as well. So I just want to thank you for sharing with us today and all the very best. Do you have a word for us as we as we wrap up? What the Kung Fu Panda said, don't worry about your past. Right. Don't worry about it. It's, it's what you choose to be right now. We, we, are we, it's your belief system. Sometimes you got to change your belief system because your belief system affects your perception. Right. And then it's your perception that completely changes your genetic makeup and everything. So you can go through a rehabilitation and become a brand new, completely brand new person. It's possible. Some people don't believe it, but it's possible to, to, to like a, like a caterpillar becomes, uh, uh, goes in a cocoon and comes out a butterfly. Right. A complete you know, so transformation. Think, yeah. Yeah. It, it, and, that, and that is what happens to us in this life, but it happens. This is the cocoon. The body is the cocoon. So you can't see what's going on inside me. Right. I look like the same person that you saw last week, but I'm not. Right. We're all uh, changing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Antar, for being on the show. Thank you so much for sharing so much value. Really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day, Antar. Thank you. And you do the same. I, I appreciate being on your show, too. Thank Thanks you so much. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.